gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is the She-Hulk episode. This is the one that people have asked me on social media, when are you going to do She-Hulk? And the whole story was we wait till it's over because you don't do a, a review of a show halfway you wait till they finish, and that's when you review it. Exactly. Thanks for all the feedback uh, to the Super Sons. Uh, the folks at Warner Brothers did a great job putting on that press junket at New York Comic Con, and we did the uh, interview with the cast and the crew of uh, Batman Superman Battle of the Super Sons, and it doesn't suck. I told you, the movie's out now. It didn't suck. Uh, She-Hulk, attorney at law, is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And joining us to discuss that and everything else, we welcome a new friend to the podcast. Uh, she's an entertainment journalist. She's going to give us all of her credentials. Uh, but the lovely and talented Destiny Jackson is with us now. Destiny, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much, Seth, for having me. I'm so excited to talk about, um, you know, the MCU all the time and definitely dig into the latest meaty show that they there's a out. lot there man this yeah. is going to be a fun one yeah. um tell me first of all uh, a little bit about what you do and uh, how can people find you yeah so um i am an entertainment journalist as you have mentioned and i have written across many platforms in terms of you know covering movies and television but right now my home base is deadline.com so you can start to find my work there at Deadline.com, or you can visit me on Twitter at Destiny Dreadful over there. Yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. Deadline. I mean, they, they have all the breaking news all the time. Okay, I they subscribe. do. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild how amazing that team is and how fast they write stories. Oh, wow. <laughs> I aspire. I aspire. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons we were looking uh, for somebody new to have on the podcast um we did something on this podcast and i, I just want to show you the the parallels to what it, what we did and and start the conversation this way uh when black panther came out mm -hmm. i wanted to make sure that we had a reviewer a guest reviewer who was african-american I, I thought that was very important uh when shang chi came out i thought it was very important that we had someone from uh, the Asian background. Um, so, for example, we had Victor Dandridge, who did uh, Black Panther, and then we had uh, Brian Tong uh, did uh, uh, Shang-Chi. When Ms. Marvel came out, we had someone of Muslim background, Swara Saleh, uh, a fantastic guy. He's a wonderful I new love friend. Swara. He's, yeah, he's going to be back on the podcast as well. He did a great job on that. 
And so what I said for She-Hulk is I wanted someone female. And I what, what I wanted to say, and the question that I asked Victor, Brian, and Suara, I will ask to you. And that is, when you see a show with a female lead such as She-Hulk, how, as a woman, does that make you feel? Do you feel female superheroes are being represented? And is the bar... Are we comparing it to everything in Marvel or are we comparing it to Linda Carter or Melissa Benoist or any of the other, mm. you know, is it is it comparative to Black Widow? Where does this fit? Wow, uh, that's such a great question. For me, the first thing that popped into my mind when you asked was I am 5'11". OK, so I'm 5'11". I'm really tall for a female no, so no kidding, really? yeah yeah I'm really tall so when people you know that I meet from online on Twitter or whatever you know and they come to see me or whatever because they're in LA at the time they were like oh my god you're really tall I didn't know that it's like yeah how could you know that right because we're just conversing on Twitter no kidding but um for me when you said that I was like well She-Hulk is represent uh, re representative of me because she's tall girl yeah, <laughs> she's sure. tall girl boss lady right so I'm like, yes, I can understand needing a outfit that is both professional and like cute. You know what I mean? Yeah, like those sure. are really hard items to find. So I don't have a tailor like she did, right? She, I don't have a superhero tailor. Yeah, yeah. So I really felt that um, in the show and then like trying to date and finding, I and mean, this is a, a little different, right? Trying to find guys who are just as tall, right? So you just, so you're not, uh, you know, dating rough. these. Yeah, I, yeah, I was just I'm like, say. yeah, like, you know, a lot of girls, you know, a lot of guys, have, sorry, hold on, take two, take two. Wait, pause, 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 yeah, so pause. I remember. Yeah. Um, so Go. I'm going to pause. Yes. So one of the things that is different in like the She-Hulk dating episode that I, happened to notice was like she was dating these men that were shorter than her because that's kind of where you're at right but of course no one's going to be you know as tall as she hulk this jolly green giant but i look at guys who are like five nine and i'm like what am i going to do put you in a high chair like i need somebody <laughs> who's at least like five ten or what about when but she's anyway. lifting that guy? Is that something you could relate to? Yeah, no, yeah, kidding. exactly. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, I just I lift everyone. Yeah, I lift all all the dudes that I date, yeah. like which is no one. But you know, I like a girl could dream. But anyway, so I think in terms of female representation in the MCU, it's getting better. You know, one of the scenes that stands out for like it's girl boss, girl power, girl work is that scene in Avengers Endgame, I believe it is. Right, right. right. When when they when all Spider Man. When 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 wimpy Peter yeah. Parker can't get the uh, gauntlet to where it has to go, the women all save him, and there's that big freeze frame of, you know, uh, yeah. all you know, the wasp and uh, Pepper Potts is in that scene, and right. yeah, there's all these women there, and it's like okay, like that that was a lot, and then they're like mostly all white women, right? So we don't even really have a lot of black women in particular in the MCU. We now we have right. you, you have know, Shuri, yeah, yeah, you have right. Shuri, you have Okoye you know monica rambo and then you have her mother maria rambo right. as the only you know black representation but then she you had have the uh, cameo in uh, dr strange also yeah exactly so i kind of took she hulk as like okay this is another girl of color <laughs> in a way she's green right but i think but sort of but she's not you know but she's not she, she, yeah. she's 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 very uh she's a, she's a white lady my whole thing with the the, the girl perspective was just it felt like they were doing a make good 
like they were saying, we haven't represented women well, and we are going to give you every girly thing we can give you. And I'm not yeah. saying that from a male perspective. What I'm saying is Jessica Jones was a girl and I never really can't like Jessica yeah. Jones had girl problems and it wasn't, she wasn't on dating apps. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I just, it seemed like it was being shoved down your throat. And it, it, it reminded me a lot of Ms. Marvel in that in Ms. Marvel, you know, she's this girl with this, this background. And then all of a sudden she's in Pakistan. Like it yeah. was, it was extremes. And for Jennifer Walters, like you have this this character who's going through this journey and then all of a sudden she's on dating apps. And I was like, wait a minute, like what happened to the cool, calm, collected person in the beginning of the show? Like she was so with it. And then all of a sudden, like these things just kept getting thrown at her. It was very odd. It was really odd, and I wasn't sure like what when you wanted to kind of like dig into the plot there. Well, for we sure. can do episode by episode, but I wanted to yeah. get an overview. But it was more about you know when Brian did the Shang Chi episode, when mm-hmm. Brian Tong did the Shang Chi episode, he literally said that was the first time he felt that like he could envision himself in that role. You know, he couldn't do that in a Superman movie or a, or a Spider Man movie, but he could do it in the Shang Chi movie. Yeah. I just wonder whether I, I don't think this show was female empowering and I would love mm. a female to tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, I think in some ways it was about female empowerment, but I think the message continuously, as you said, as it goes along gets muddled and then the finale happens where they really try to lambast that oh, Jennifer's taking back her narrative or whatever, right? Because right, all right. the things are happening in her life. All She the same goes time. to the her, Marvel offices. Her, Yeah, you know, she goes to the Marvel offices, right? Which is like, okay, whatever. Like, again, like, well, you know, but it's, it, it's trying later. to be co- comedic. Like, that's what it, it is. It tries it's- to, and then it doesn't give her, it, it basically is a narrative cop-out for her entire journey because she doesn't even really get um, catharsis for right. all the things that happened to her in that last episode. It's basically undone. You know, so it's just really, it's really strange. So I would say it's, there's moments of female empowerment in terms of how she has to explain to Bruce, right? Like that women are constantly suppressing um, anger yeah, in terms, anger. you know, to be, to be safe, right? We have to prioritize suppressing how we really feel in order to not be attacked by the outside world because men are dangerous. Like there's things like that that really stand out to me. But other than that, I mean, I would say, a, a show that's more feminist or something I, I mean miss marvel in a way because kamala does have some really good lines about being a brown girl and how she doesn't relate to the superheroes that she sees and that she idolizes mm-hmm. because none of them are muslim um black widow maybe would be another one but that's because natasha just has so much agency and she fought against right the like the program that she was you know bathed in or born no, in you- is is hawkeye female empowering i would think yes because that character goes through an arc and steps up and she becomes the hero that saves the day like that's marvel hawkeye to me is more marvel than she hulk she hulk shit just happened to she hulk 
yeah <laughs> things just happened to her yeah and she had to be like oh well see you next week in my comedy yeah basically yeah she she had to stand aside as titania ruined her you know her name abomination kind of being this representative force i guess of how people view well, since we're not going in chronological order yet, i know oops the best line of the whole show <laughs> the best line of the whole show is when she calls bruce to get his approval of her representing Emil Blonsky, and he goes, and he goes, that was so long ago. I'm a totally different person. Right. <laughs> That's a great line. That's a perfect, perfect yeah, line. It's so good. That was hysterical. So good. There's a lot of bangers like that, but uh, you know, a lot no, of them and it's and- not not funny. Like that's that's the thing about this show. It's not not funny. But what I thought it did too much was it mocked its own stuff. Like you have Wong there, and to me, like he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Like you just had him in the Doctor Strange movie. Like he's been in a, he was in Shang-Chi. And I'm not even saying that his role, like what his role as far as advancing the plot where he takes the abomination because he has to go through trials. That all makes sense. Why does he get the girl that wants to hang out and call him Wongers? Like, are you, is that for social media? Is that for TikTok? Like, is that why that's there? Who is Madison for? That is a really good question. One, I love Madison. I do have to say she's the most random, also most relatable party girl the MCU has ever had, right? We've never had a party girl in the MCU. So I do think she was mostly for social media. She's definitely not for feminism, right? Definitely not. No, no, not. no. But, but, but see, that's the thing. Like, Marvel has never been about its feedback. Right. And it just felt like they wanted that because they wanted her to be trending on social media, not to advance a plot. And again, if you're making a comedy, it's just a comedy, but you can be funny and not mock yourself. I think that's one of the show's many problems is that this and you can see this again in the finale when we get there is that this show wanted to subvert any superhero tropes that had previously been built up for this giant conglomerate company that is Marvel, right? So they did things that kind of deviated from what we normally know or what kind of characters show up in these other, you know, normally self-serious, right? Marvel takes itself too seriously. So here they did a comedy but the fourth wall and the balancing of the comedy doesn't quite work. There's no reason your show should be that self-aware because then you kind of lose the audience in the process. It's like, why, wait, why are you making these jokes? Cause once you start taking the audience out of your show to start being like, okay, are you critiquing social media here? Which it did a lot. That show definitely did that. Why is Wong watching the Sopranos? Why is he watching? This is us. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was like way too much. And it was trying to be like, oh, but we're the cute, funny show in town. But it's like, it has to make narrative sense. And none of it pushed the plot forward. I would agree with that. Wong showing up in all these different movies, it's really fun to see what he does as a Sorcerer Supreme because we see him in these different pop-up things. But does it matter? Like, because where's Doctor Strange? Does Doctor Strange know that Wong is running around watching The Sopranos, hanging out with Madison, taking the abomination to, you know, uh, cage matches or whatever and yeah it just it just doesn't it doesn't make sense so well and and here's the 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 parallel that i would compare it to and that's wandavision because wandavision went into this deep uh you know 
homage to sitcoms, right? Like, yeah, she, you know, for two episodes, she's in the sitcom world and you don't even know what you're watching. Right. right. But it culminates where there is a battle between Wanda and Vision and Agatha, and it's and it gets to an extreme. You know, Wanda winds up kidnapping a whole town, but that, that that's that's not that's that's the criticism of that show. The point right. of this show is you don't get that culmination. Like what I liked, and we let let's get into the episodes. But what I liked was, I thought it started really strong, and then it just went weaving all over the place. And never got out of it where if you have a comedy, you can still have a Marvel crescendo. One thing I noticed, and I I don't know, maybe maybe this is just a nerd thing in me, but you notice that a lot of times when they have the Marvel Studios interstitial opening, Mm. they don't always play the theme. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy, they'll play a song or in Avengers Endgame, they played a song. Yeah. You know, they, they don't play that theme. Do you notice that in She-Hulk, they played that theme every episode because they were trying to say, hey, Marvel people, we're not forgetting about you. And it's almost like they they realized they had diverted so far from the formula that they almost wanted to say, well, wait a second, pull back. You know, I because I had watched like Werewolf by Night and I Am Groot, those are two shows or I guess, you know, Werewolf by Night is that spe- is the you know tv special that one also changed the marvel intro and then i am groot which came out before she hulk i believe also fast right, forward yeah, yeah, like, yeah. um through the marvel logo so i don't even think about like the she hulk marvel logo because i just i think i just skipped by it but that's that's a really good point but i kind of wanted to touch on something also why the sitcom thing worked for wandavision where it didn't work for She-Hulk in terms of um, how the show was written. She-Hulk was written as a comedy, WandaVision was not. They tied the sitcom aspect into her story. That's why that worked because Wanda grew up in the, I don't, I don't want to say, I, I think it's like the Soviet Union, right? Or Sokovian Union, basically like that's the flavor of what they're trying to give us is that she grew up under so, uh, Sokovian rule, uh, suppression and war and stuff like that but she learned english from american sitcoms so they wove that into her story so that's why that works but here in she hulk it doesn't work because they don't give us enough information or context it's just kind of like random it's like the writers got all together had a hat full of like pop culture moments and just pulled it out and said how do we plug and play in the script right and then how do we make fun of fanboys and online culture in the process? And it was like, okay, this is a lot. This is a lot. But anyway, um, I didn't notice that about the Marvel logo because I think I spent the time skipping it. Oh, that's totally fine. I, I, like yeah. I said, I, my brain goes into yeah. some 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 weird places. All right. So let's start it off. Uh, episode one comes out and it's called A Normal Amount of Rage. And she's basically a lawyer and she tells you in flashbacks how she got the powers of She-Hulk. The only time She-Hulk had been in multimedia was in the Incredible Hulk animated series in the 90s, uh, played by the incredible Cree Summer. Uh, She's one of my white whales and people I'm trying to get on the podcast. Mm. Um, Jennifer was a lawyer there. She's a lawyer here. And the show is supposed to emulate, at least in my opinion, uh, 
Allie McBeal. That's what it felt like in the beginning. It was Allie McBeal. And she had this thing about her that she got these powers. And I thought Ruffalo with uh, Tatiana Maslany was brilliant. I thought she was, by the way, excellent in the show. Um, you know, she she said in an interview she was trying to uh, character characterize Elaine from Seinfeld. And I thought she did that. I, I thought I thought she as an actor was brilliant. I just it's the writing. It's 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 the writing. But in that initial episode, um, I thought everything was going fine. And it was it was going to be different than any Hulk thing y- you had seen. But it wasn't kooky yet. I agree. I think something that is important here, too, in terms of like us seeing the Bruce and Jen cousin relationship of it all was that um it this the i mean the episode the first episode was really solid because it does set up this tone for the rest of the season where jen has to talk to bruce and we talked about this a little bit about how she views the world and she's learning training from bruce because now she's a she-hulk because apparently if your blood goes into someone else's blood and your gamma affected or whatever like you just turn into the Hulk and that's something that I guess I just never paid attention to so that was an amazing surprise I'm like okay that's just how if I remember the uh the Incredible Hulk animated series back in the 90s I kind of remember that it was the same way it was they did it that way some kind of battle or something and she bled and you know I remember the the scene the difference was uh Hulk wasn't uh smart Hulk Mm. he was he was still, you know, the brooding Hulk and she had complete control of her faculties. Like it, she, for some reason, Jennifer Walters has always been in control when she's shield. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's what kind of gets under Bruce's skin a little bit. Cause he's so surprised. And I think this is where it kind of sets up this like sexist trope, right? Because Bruce assumes that, you know, her experience as the Hulk would be similar to his but it's not because Jen has experienced, you know, tons of microaggressions, sexism, unwanted attention and all those things. So I really, really love that this episode did set up the precedent for her really trying to navigate this world as a female, but now uh, elevated female now that she's a superhero. So I really did appreciate that stuff. Also something funny here though, too, is that while she's trying to subvert sexism, she also constantly asks Bruce about whether or not Captain America has sex, right? See, that was funny, but that's what I mean. Like you can do a Marvel comedy and not be demeaning. Exactly. It was really fun, like to kind of have that. That that, was very cute. That and the thing with the Cheetos, which I started telling Mm. my kid because she eats Cheetos and gets it all over the place. And I, I was like, oh, get chopsticks. That would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you've ever seen that photo of like Oscar Isaac eating the hot Cheetos with his chopsticks. No. It's like a, a very popular photo online. But uh, yeah, I haven't done that, but I should try it and let me know how your daughter feels about that. So I can have to get the, the chopsticks there. But, but um, yeah, but, you know, overall, I mean, this episode was pretty good to me. You know, like you said, it was super solid. It explained all the things we needed to know about superhero powers and it set up Titania a little bit towards the end there you know well but here's the thing titania comes in and she she there's an explosion and she has to become she hulk and reveal herself to the world but my point on that is i don't care who titania is 
Like, yeah, she's just she's just token bad guy at that point. And you don't know the the rigmarole that you're going to see from her. So we will we'll get to that. My point is, is she can be a throwaway villain. Like, I didn't need to revisit her. Yeah, she does show up quite a bit. And I wonder why they kind of lessened her role from the comics. I don't know too much about like all her comic backstory but i mean she does have a history of running in and around like i'm a spider-man person and so she kind of runs in and out of like the spider woman section of the comics being this um antagonizing villain i mean she's not necessarily evil but she is you know irritating right but she has like this really rich backstory that's not just her being a social media influencer and things like that she has connections with dr doom and like mon uh, molecule man and all these things so she is someone that shouldn't be messed with but i'm just really wondering like why they didn't give her any backstory why didn't they flush her out at all that's kind of well they made her a social media influencer they did but what i'm saying is like why didn't they give her anything more than that like why don't we know how is she super powered right like why didn't we get into that why is or... she titania not just some random girl exactly right. so that's something that they're going to need to work on in the next season because i'm assuming we're probably going to see her again you know um something else that kind of annoyed me though at the beginning was um jen walter's friend nikki she is not very played by ginger gonzaga yeah played by ginger gonzaga she is not very uh like she's kind of like a throwaway character until like more halfway through the season right she's kind of the girl like it's it's one of the more tropier things that the show does end up falling into is just having the sidekick best friend but yeah. she's just kind of like the our supportive, you know what I mean? She's like, "Yeah, girl, go do this, girl." Well, yeah, she girl, she I got she, shoes, she girl. gets the job right immediately. She right. gets in episode two. She she gets hired to be in this new superhero wing of this attorney thing, and and all of a sudden, you know, Nikki comes with her, like yeah. they're a package. They're a package deal. Yeah. All right. So episode one happens now. She's dubbed She Hulk, and she gets this new job. And her first case is to represent Emil Blonsky and they bring Emil, Bl you know, Tim Roth back from the Incredible Hulk movie. Um, I thought that was pretty wild to do considering the fact that the Incredible Hulk, while it takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, first of all, it's not Ruffalo, it, it, you know, but the, but the bigger thing is that's a universal movie. That's the only Marvel movie besides the Sony movies that is not on Disney+. Plus. It's actually, you can find it right now, ironically, on uh, HBO Max. Um, yeah, Tim Roth back as Emil Blonsky, The Abomination. I I was kind of like, okay, so what are they trying to show us here? Like, what is the point of this episode? Because if Abomination is really not as evil, I guess the situation to back up here a little bit is that Abomination has been arrested and um, he's under observation because they don't want him turning into the abomination. They just want him to stay as Emil Blonsky. He's had this fight with the Hulk still. He's been sneaking out of his cage and he's been doing just fine, right? With Wong and everything. And so She-Hulk comes in to now represent him at, for her new law associates and stuff like that. But there's that dilemma with how the public perceives 
villains and how they really are do villains deserve a second chance basically is what this proposes and i mean it's a pretty okay episode i think again it just wants us to kind of dig into the dichotomy that now jennifer walters face faces like trying to be she hulk and jennifer walters you know so she now she gets to meet this person but who dabbles you know as both but the, but the other thing about that is yeah. is that like his backstory like remember he got the uh the the cocktail of the super soldier serum and uh and the gamma rays you remember that if you're if you remember in the incredible hulk movie like you could investigate that you know there, there there's this whole idea of you know his backstory and what he, he was power hungry yeah. And now he's just this reformed guy who's very zen. He has all these ladies write him letters in, in prison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he winds up going to the wellness center. It just, again, it's do you need to mock your characters? You got Tim Roth back. You have the abomination. You have Wong from movie. You've seen them play heroic or villainous roles. Yeah. Why such a departure? Yeah, especially for Abomination from what I do remember and what I've been reading about online, his was a total character change. And again, it's at this point too in Superhuman Law, I think this is the episode where She-Hulk or Jennifer Walters you know, turns to the camera and she's like, don't forget who show this is, right? Because at this point, she's also had a lot of cameos with other characters, you know, coming into her show. And I'm wondering, again, it's that thing. Why aren't you guys spending any time on this backstory? Why are people just casually entering her universe? Why are you guys kind of descaling? Why are you de, I don't know, descaling, deregulating? I don't know, de, de, like stripping their, you know, you're taking their essence away. away. You're taking who they are away. Yeah. Why are you molding them to the comedic aspect of her show instead of just having them be who they are and then having her come in? and doing whatever comedic thing you want them, you know, want her to do while they're interacting. It's very strange. It's it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. It's very odd. And then it gets even bigger because episode four, and remember, these are coming out weekly and you don't know where they're coming. And yeah. all of a sudden, so so the you think you're done with the Wong cameo, right? And you think that Bruce is off in space because he was on a spaceship, remember, when he took, you know, in, in episode two. Mm-hmm. So you get to episode four and you meet Donnie Blaze, who's this wannabe magician. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, and all of a sudden he does this transporting thing and he all of a sudden transports this girl because he misuses the uh, the mystic arts and he sends this girl to uh, to Kamartage, uh, which is Wong's house. And Wong is trying to watch The Sopranos. Which I mean, he has taste. That's a great show. Yeah, but... it's a great show. <laughs> but at this point, like, it's completely uh, mocking. Like, it's it's completely mocking Marvel. It jumps outside of its category. Right now, we're jumping outside of the show. We're jumping out of all we know. We're jumping out of Carmitage. We're jumping out of the Mystic that he's the master of the Mystic Arts. We're jumping out of She Hulk, and now we're like, okay, he has access to HBO. That's insane. So one, when he's not fighting crime or doing whatever he does, he's sitting down binging. They're trying to make Wong relatable, but why does Wong need to be relatable? 
Like, where did we get that need from? Why can't he, again, just be facing some kind of issue in Carmitage or, I don't know, gathering more people for, I don't know, the Avengers or the Secret Wars or whatever that's coming? Because essentially when he appeared in uh, Shang-Chi, he grabs Shang-Chi and his friend and just took them back to wherever. Yeah, Yeah, played by Aquafina, you know, and took them back to, you know, whatever, Carmitage. Um, so it's, it's just a really weird situation that we keep finding ourselves in at the beginning of the series, which is so bogged down into cementing that, oh yeah, she's in this, she's in the MCU guys. Don't play, like, don't forget she's in the MCU. She's in the MCU. Look, we have Wong. She's in the MCU. You have this treasure trove of stuff and all these, these people are in your show. Like you have no problem getting all these stars in your show. And yet you still had to mock them. And this is what you do with them. Yeah, this is what you do with them. I will say, I think it was funny seeing Wong kind of having a day off as a sorcerer. Like, I really did like that. That that I don't mind. It it was the girl. I'm sorry. The girl. Yeah, Madison. So so Madison is, as I called her, the party girl of the MCU. And I really did like her, but does she add any purpose? No, because we don't really see her again after this, right? And she's just kind of Wong's watching TV partner. And I kind of felt like some kind of romantic connection, but they didn't really explore that enough. And I was kind of like, do I shift this? I don't know. The only person having sex in this show is is Jennifer. Is Jennifer, for sure. For sure. She loves to smash in more Um, ways than one. But anyway, yeah. So, hey. That's not the first time you've used that joke. Um. And then at the end of episode four, you find out that Titania has been freed and is filing a lawsuit against her because she's trademarked the name She-Hulk. And that's when you start into episode five. And my response to that is, is again, now they've lost me because the, the, you're, you're talking about licensing and you're talking about trademarks. Like that's your superhero show. I, I, I don't know, man. Like at that point, I'm. I, I that's that's when I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I think at this point, and that episode is called one. Let's start from the beginning here. So mean, green, and straight poured into these jeans. That is a terrible name for a, a title for an episode. That is just awful. But the joke is that that's her Tinder dating profile. So we also there's a lot going oh, on that's here, right? That's right? True. There's a lot going on here in terms of. One, they call it Tinder or is it just an app? It's a dating app. No, it's just a dating app. It has a name, but it's very basic, whatever it is. But it's, it's like not, it, it, they're not stealing from an, from an actual app. There's no. no way Tinder would want to be associated like that. No, no. But they did in the promotions, they did make her a Tinder profile, which was pretty funny. Like in the, in the ads, they made Jen uh, a Tinder profile. So, so if you went on Tinder, you could find her? You could find her, yeah no kidding yeah so that was like pretty good marketing i think um they also had the billboards where you could call a phone number and jennifer walters answered the phone number yeah she left a little mess or you could leave a message on her uh lawyer thing or you know that's See, that thing. stuff's genius I, that i love the, the the outside the show you want to be goofy you want to do all these tiktoks do all of that that's fine but keep the show on point yeah, don't go like meandering into like again. It's it's the reason why this doesn't work is because the fourth wall stuff is not consistent. When they do it, it's so bizarre. 
it doesn't really make sense. It's not utilized the most. Jennifer turns to the camera maybe once or twice and then something kooky happens, but then the rest of the show tries to be normal, right? And it just doesn't flow. There's no, there's no um, flow like Deadpool per se. Not that Deadpool is super wacky and pop culturally relevant, but Deadpool constantly is engaging with the audience so that we can understand like, okay, he knows what's going on outside of the movie realm. She-Hulk will say like one reference. I, she said like once she was like, oh, the A plot and the B plot and the C plot like all tied up together. Like, look at that, how nice. And then she'll like never talk to the audience again. You know, so it's just it's just very, very odd. But in terms of this episode here with, with the dating and with the Titania taking over the trademarks and all that stuff, I'm okay with it having this lawyer plot, because I mean, it's called She-Hulk Attorney at Law, right? But even Jessica Gao, the showrunner and basically the, the head writer for this series said that her writer's team was not good at writing the lawyer side of things. So she admitted that to Variety, basically, right? Oh. So now we have this problem. The stories are so weak that when you look at them, they don't really make sense. So that Titania thing where she takes the she-hulk trademark and then jennifer has to figure out how to basically fight this thing it's a pretty weak soft story so then you have to kind of make this dating plot stronger because they can't figure out how to write a proper like how do we get copyright into this story or whatever right and make it like really strong where it's about these two women being pit against each other so then they distract us with oh, all of a sudden, though Jen has never expressed this until this moment, she's feeling really lonely. So instead, let's put her on a bunch of dates so that she can complain about men some more. And not that I'm trying to defend men at all. I never want to do that. No, but I, mean, I think the they're, show- They're vile creatures. No, for sure. Throw them, throw them in the volcano uh, Mount Doom, right? For right, right. Power. Uh, plug yeah. in, plug in, plug in. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I think- this show does kind of hit you over the head too much with men are bad. Men are bad. Men suck. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So when she finally starts to get on these dating apps and then she meets all these men and they, you know, one after the, one, the other. The one right, guy only likes her when she's she Hulk and doesn't like her when she's Jennifer. Exactly. So now she has to deal with that dichotomy too. So she's already feeling kind of trapped in between her two personalities. And then on top of that, now she has to, face that from the men so it's it's just it's just a lot it's a lot that doesn't really give her any agency because now we've turned this show into hey this could have been jennifer walters being a lawyer having some wacky cases with mcu people that we know and do not know to jennifer Lo jennifer lopez jennifer walters oh, that'd be awesome if jennifer lopez sad like she's sad she wants boys oh no you know so it, it, it this is where the total flavor of the show goes out the window that they were trying to build up for sure it's yeah it's, this is not a i hate it show it's not a i still think iron man 3 is worse um but <laughs> but it just you know it, it it bugged me like there's no fighting there's no plot advancement there's just you know whether or not jennifer walters gets the rights to the she hulk name i i don't know my wife works in licensing like i i yeah. literally hear this every day and i'm like get to the point get to the point get to the point like 
just yeah. figure this out. I, and then episode six is the the wedding episode. Man. And she I... wants to be just Jennifer. Je- the, the title is Just Jen. She wants to just be uh, Jennifer Walters. She doesn't want to be She-Hulk for this. She learns that, uh, you know, that these she can't keep living with these two separate parts of herself. So she really just wants to explore how to like herself as her natural state. Jen, this wedding episode, I feel like, is the most filler out of all of them because there's there's some pretty good filler out of these nine episodes, but this one has to be the most filler of them all and i really don't even know what so to you're say saying about this show could have been shorter I, it was nine episodes they wow that's wild i don't know if short is the problem with these marvel shows because all of them have a either not enough episode problem maybe or if they they have a filler issue see i remember saying that about mm-hmm. luke cage Oh yeah, the Netflix ones. I won't even yeah bring that up because Iron the Fist... Luke Cage show was good. It just was too long, and the yeah. Iron Fist show was way too long. Yeah, way too long. And Daredevil was just right, wasn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> just and Jessica, yeah. Jessica Jones, and Jessica, yes, still, Jessica's still good. Marvel. And anybody who's listening to this podcast knows, uh, it, uh, Jessica Jones season one is literally the greatest television show, uh, Marvel's uh, created so far. I Top tier. stand by it is it is as good as it is it's feminine it's superhero-y it's detective show it's sex it's it, it's incredible jessica jones season one is brilliant i love it i love jessica jones season one and then daredevil season one's really good yep. and then daredevil season two happens and then i'm like okay guys let's no, wrap it, it up no it was it, <laughs> I, I thought they were great i not as good really not good. you know it wasn't as good as season ones but yeah Oh, those shows were so good. But, um, you know, just Jen for this, or She-Hulk as a whole, like WandaVision and Loki are the exceptions. Those were also under, you know, WandaVision was nine episodes and Loki, I think, was about maybe about the same, I think. And those, they used their time wisely and they filled up everything they needed. But after those, it, uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, the Miss Marvel, these shows didn't, utilize the full capacity of their seasons and so this episode really suffers and i i want to start you know hopefully we'll get to some positives because there's definitely some positives about she hulk but unfortunately for just jen i have nothing to add here because it's there's a wedding happening from this random friend that we never heard about until this episode of jen's uh titania is invited to this wedding obviously because she's still butthurt that she lost the copyright uh the the copyright to she hulk in the previous episode so she wants to take revenge on her then in after you know after jen is kind of um disheartened by dating she does meet this man named josh at the wedding or jason excuse me jason at the wedding or is it oh it was josh you were right okay i was like too many j names but yeah so she meets this josh and you know they kind of start bonding because he makes it known that he likes jen you know just jen and not Not she hulk Hulk. so it's just weird and then you get the the main plot here which is that there's a website of trolls called intelligentsia and intelligentsia wants to 
basically i don't know troll she hulk until she starts crying i don't know what their point is they just basically want to talk mess about her but again that's that show getting that meta awareness of they know fanboys online are going to be upset that there's a female superhero and she's banging and she's drinking and you know she's just trying to live her best life and you know so that that's kind of like a stand-in for twitter i think is what it is twitter reddit whatever other 4chan so this episode was very strange it had a lot to do to set up the latter half of the you know of the episodes so yeah and yeah and the whole josh i mean again we we go further on uh with josh and um you know you get into episode seven uh where uh jennifer is now dating josh and then josh disappears um he ghosts her and again I, i'm like wait a minute you know, is, is this the plot that we're, we're we're going to? And then she goes, she gets a call about a uh, uh, from uh, Mil Blonsky's parole officer. And so she has to go to this retreat. And again, you talked about filler to me, like all of this is not advancing anything. You meet Porcupine and you meet El Aguila and Man Bull and all characters I don't need to be wasting time with to me it is kind of filler but I think again what it does for us is it reinforces that Jen is more or less trying to get into her healthy place she's really trying to settle on like okay I can love myself and you know I don't need no man to tell me that I'm not worth anything because they're they're attracted to the big green lady right so I think in a weak sauce way that's what we're supposed to get out of it but it spends does Josh ever resurface too much time Josh does not resurface and that's like they don't pay that off like like because what I kept thinking is Josh got kidnapped or Josh is you know he's part of a evil plot or something like that like nope and that's the part of the season finale so if we want to jump into that because yeah well let's quickly get 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 there um so so the retreat is over they're they're done with that um and you find out uh that josh uh secretly cloned her uh her blood like he he cloned her phone yeah he cloned her phone so he basically makes a copy of jennifer's phone and that's when we also find out that someone is trying to or you know we find this out in episode two that someone's trying to get her blood but they were unsuccessful then here in this episode in episode seven that plot kind of comes full circle here and josh is the one that ends up taking her blood and you know kind of just like running off uh, into the night I'm, here oh and, and so then, it's pretty bad yeah so then episode eight uh they're they're, they're uh there's this another throwaway guy leapfrog um <laughs> and jennifer is representing leapfrog who is suing uh luke jacobson who is the fashion designer who specializes in superhero costumes uh, she he's the guy that that built the new wardrobe for for She-Hulk. Uh, he's played by Griffin Matthews and he's genius. Like, again, the acting is fantastic. I uh, love him. He's really good on flight attendants. So if anyone. Yes. He's watch Griffin attendant. Matthews or something. He's in. Fl- yeah, he's in flight attendant. Both. That's a seasons. great show, too. It's so good. But the, anyways, um, yeah. And that's the, the thing about this podcast. Like what we always do is we're always attack story. You know, there's a there's a standard line on this podcast that we've been using 
for now over 300 episodes, which is uh, Ryan Reynolds was great as Green Lantern. It's not his fault he fought a clown. <laughs> no, that's good. I love that. Because it, it, it totally applies. Like, like yeah. uh, Tatiana Maslany is brilliant. Like, she's brilliant in this role. Like, the fact that her character is stupid. Like, again, that's Tom Holland is great as Spider-Man. His character is dumb as all get out. <laughs> He's a lovable dork. I would I would say Jen is stupid. I would say that the situations they put her in are really stupid. Jen is a pretty solid character. I think her character makes sense. Tatiana is the least of this show's issues. And I think Marvel does not fail in terms of casting. I think the casting that they've done from Benedict Cumberbatch to Tom Holland to Benedict Wong as Wong, you know, to to Simu Lu as Shang-Chi and all that. I think they're good at casting. But yeah. this writer's room, I mean, it again, it goes back to Jennifer Gao admitting that they didn't know how to do the basics of a procedural. I'm not saying you need to go to Harvard Law School, right? Like it's hard, right? Um, you need to know the basic structure though. If you're gonna have a damn lawyer show, give us stronger material to work with. You can have a comedy. You can have a strong comedy, right? Ted Lasso is a comedy, but it's pretty strong. It's not super, super fluid. It's not really silly, like in right, terms of- great you know, plot like, advancement. Yeah, right. each episode has a purpose. This, These last three episodes really don't serve a purpose outside of, again, something that we've already kind of got. Like we understand Jen is having a self-crisis. Okay, we get it. She has low self-esteem. Okay, she learned to have but better self-esteem. you didn't self think that in the beginning. Like I didn't think that in the beginning. Right. You learn right. that by all these events. Right. Yeah, all the things she goes through. But it's like, it'll be a bunch of filler and then like maybe two scenes of like, all right, she's good now you know what i mean it, it's just it's it's really like a waste of time so anyway in ribbit and rip it which is leapfrog's catchphrase right he is suing like you mentioned luke jacobson and uh he, we we end up finding out that he's the bad guy kind of like he ends up kidnapping right the fashion designer uh jacobson the, the is is being sp uh, represented by matt murdoch in court and why would Matt Murdock uh, leave uh, New York City? Well, it's because uh, Jacobson was making him a new costume. If you remember, in season three of uh, Daredevil, someone impersonated Daredevil and stole his costume. So he needed a new costume and they made it yellow. Uh, you know, it's an homage to the comics. I hope that when the Daredevil show returns, he doesn't keep that yellow costume. Uh, the red one was much better. But um and I like that when he says he's Daredevil, he tells Jennifer very openly how he's Daredevil. They play the theme. Mm -hmm. They play the uh, the the Daredevil theme song. Um, this was Matt Murdock, similarly to when he showed up in Spider Man. Um, he's he's a really dark character who's very very well developed. Um, I, I I don't know, like he hooks up with Jennifer Walters. I'm fine with that. Um, it, 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 it I don't know. It, it, it was it was just odd. It, the whole thing was like fish out of water odd. Wait, so you didn't like the? I see. I think this is the best episode of the entire show. No, no, no. It was cool. It it, it, okay. it was cool. It was cool to see 
Daredevil there. And I like when he kept telling her to stay, stand aside because he know what he knew what to do and all those right. things. Like I felt like that guy I knew. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been down a journey with that guy. I know him. And so I felt a kinship to him. Yes. And that is so important because this episode, I feel like does lean into the viewer knowing or should know who Matt Murdock is. I did run into some people online who did not know who Matt Murdock was. And I was like, I feel so bad for you, but I think there's something relieving. There's something comforting because that joke that you just mentioned pays off so much when you know, like we know people who watched that Matt Murdock can take down people in a building like nothing, right? It's those really sexy hallway scenes and one shots that make him such a dynamic character in terms of fighting. And here in She-Hulk, not that he's not the same Netflix daredevil that we know, but he's a lot more agile. We get to see him kind of do flips, right? He gets to turn his body kind of different way. He's similar to like his comic book. Well, form. he's he's evolved. Yeah. 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 And I think that that was really fun. And just but he's definitely the him. same guy. Like, I, I'm a big believer oh, yeah. that all of this stuff is connected. Like Emil Blonsky is the same guy from from the Incredible Hulk movie. Like none. This is Daredevil from the Netflix show. Yeah, I would say he's, a, I mean, he's a little bit more smiley, but that could be because he's flirting with Jen Walters, right? And I do agree with you about the suit, definitely. And I love that she makes a joke, like, she's like, you look like, you know, ketchup and mustard or whatever, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. he does. It's not really cute. But it's really nice seeing Matt Murdock, just like it was in Spider-Man, where he's kind of like, you know, we didn't see him for that long, but it's good to know that he's still out there fighting the good fight. And in here, he kind of alludes to still having that, you know, lawyer office and everything. But I thought that this was a really good episode, very strong because you get her, you know, teaming up with him. And then, I mean, she has a true romantic connection, which is what she's been looking for for the last 20 episodes. So we finally get that from her. Yeah, so. no, she, 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 she did it. It, it. it pales in comparison to the Jessica yeah. Jones Luke Cage sex scene in uh, season one. Oh God, yeah, he was like, I don't like coffee or whatever, right? Like, let's that get is, some coffee. That is I don't porn like coffee. without being porn. That is, <laughs> that's the greatest porn I've ever yeah. not seen. That was yeah. crazy. Honestly, next to Matt Murdock, I think Luke Cage and Matt both probably have the most relations. Yeah, right. <laughs> and sometimes their relations overlap, or at least with Claire, right? So. Um, right right yeah, claire temple yeah yeah, yeah well, wouldn't exactly. it be now that's somebody you get into this show right right that'd be amazing i would love to see claire again she was great um yeah. meanwhile uh so then uh she goes to this uh southern california law awards gala she accepts a female lawyer of the year and then all of a sudden intelligentsia uh, broadcast uh, they smear Walter's reputation. They display footage of her in bed with this Josh guy who's nowhere to be found, by the way. Um, Still missing. I, none of this makes sense. Then she goes on a rampage and she becomes like the She-Hulk and she just starts, you know, getting these people. And that's how the show ends. I don't even know that that ending wasn't the best for me. I felt like that was a real, of course you don't want people seeing like your, you know, your sex tape. Right. But like but using, did you want to go there? Like that's where you went. Like, yeah. Like that's what you're going to use in order to get her very angry. 
because her agency is being abused or taken away from her or whatever the, the situation is. Again, there's it, nothing comic booky about it. There's nothing no. marvel-y about it. No. It's just it's like just you said, stuff like, it's just, just happening gross. to her. Right. It's super gross. It's it is definitely, you know, Jen has a reason to be upset about this, but the fact that she plays into it so easily, I will say that is a dumb character choice. Yes, take down the tape, but obviously this was a ploy to get you upset because again, it ties into right. now episode two where Abomination was on trial basically, right? Because right. he couldn't, you know, be controlled essentially. So that's where they put her. They put her in the same situation that Abomination was in. So it was it was just really dumb for her to kind of play into that. I, it, it was trying to be girl power, but it ended up being, you know, girl girl you tripping like something like that it just the whole yeah. thing just le- left a bad taste in my mouth and i just was like i wasn't the episode was really good up until those last like two minutes yeah. but i wasn't i wasn't like into this at this point like i, I was like mm. look i'm i'm in the bag for marvel i'm a completist i watch everything i, I watched every dumb episode of agents of shield i, I you know i i I, I'm in for this. My my issue is, is that I usually can't wait for this stuff, and I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. all right. So the the finale, <laughs> uh, we get to the finale, and uh, she's arrested. They did a great uh, homage to the Incredible Hulk TV show, um, with the opening where they kind of mocked, uh, not not really mocked, just uh, just did this homage to the opening credits of the uh the original uh bill bixby lou ferrigno show and it looked great and it looked vintage and it was really smart and uh you know when she said don't make me angry you won't like me when i'm angry and that you know as somebody who's a little older than you i um i watched that show and uh i you know i watched that show a lot and and so to see that um i thought that was really smart like that's how you can make a comedy and not demean your characters you know what i mean like that's not demeaning to your characters um i I thought it was great i I thought the opening was great um but then uh she confronts um this guy phelps who is hulk king and then you know he takes the blood and becomes a hulk by himself and then all of a sudden like then bruce is there and titana's there and uh jennifer says forget this this is stupid and then she goes into Disney Plus. <laughs> and, like, it's not even fourth wall. It's like fifth wall. Oh she my goes gosh. into the mm-hmm. uh, Assembled, the Marvel Studios Assembled, which is the great documentaries that they make about how to make these shows. And she goes into the Marvel offices and she wants, to, she demands to meet with Kevin when she means Kevin Feige, but he's not in it. It's Kevin, uh, the mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. Yeah. The knowledge enhanced visual interconnectivity nexus. It's an artificial intelligence in charge of the whole MCU. The actor who uh, voices Kevin is uh, uncredited, but it's a reference to Kevin Feige. And then they reset the whole show. And then it's like, and then it's over. Like then she returns to her show. Phelps and Blonsky have been arrested. And then she goes to a barbecue with her family. We should note her family, by the way. Um, Mark Lynn Baker plays her dad. Uh, for those of you who don't know, 
Marklin Baker was on the television show Perfect Strangers. Again, before your time. Uh, that was with Bronson Pinchot. Uh, Tess Malice Kincaid plays Jennifer's mother. Where do we start with this? Where do we start? Where do we start? Again, Where do we just, end? Where you, do we you, start? The whole, but it, but it, it, it's typical of the entire show. <sighs> you made a mockery of your show, so you just finished it. Like you just you 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 finished it, and you completely poked fun at the MCU. Something that your audience really cares about. This episode is such a narrative cop-out of all the ways to end your season. (laughs) They decided to just say, you know what? All the things that Jen's been going through, never mind. She can just talk to basically the god of her universe, right? Which is the Kevin machine in a way. And she just goes up to him and is like, hey, I deserve to be treated better. So why don't we just delete this, delete that, delete over here, bring this in. It is so uncathartic. She doesn't get to deal with any of the things that she faced that they gave us the entire season at all. She does not face them. And then the, then the episode's over. You know, all of that stuff is, is fine. And if you remember, there was an animated show, uh, Hulk and the Agents of Smash. That was an animated show that's on Disney Plus right now that I remember from its day. It was on Disney XD or one of those channels. And Scar was in that. Um, So, again, that's not shocking that Hulk has a son. Like, uh, cool, uh, awesome, right on. It's it's not a question of tied up. It was you mocked the whole thing. So, haha, good joke. Okay, move on. there's not enough resolution between Jen and Intelligentsia, right? It seemed like any and all punishment that they, like Todd, the leader of Intelligentsia and Josh and everybody that that needed to be punished, you know, happened off screen. And then we didn't even get to have like the pleasure of seeing Josh get his ass kicked. So I'm very confused as to why they gave that to us. And then I'm sure others would say like, oh, but Jen found happiness and amazing sex with someone that's like way better than Josh. So that should be satisfying enough because that was also one of the issues. But it's like Jen and Matt being together for a whole week is great, but that doesn't change like how much the finale is just a a, a big clusterfuck. (laughs) Sorry, you know, a big cluster of just nonsense if you want to show toxic masculinity at its worst which was like also the running theme of the show the least you could let us do is see jen confront it head on especially since she lost her job yeah Yeah, she lost her job she lost her home she lost her reputation because of them and all she does is just delete them as if they don't exist that was such a weird way to take any agency from the show that you were trying to build and it was barely built nothing heroic she hulk attorney at law is probably forgettable one thing is not forgettable i got a chance to meet you destiny destiny jackson here on the podcast your first your maiden voyage thank you so much for doing this this was this was awesome thank you so much for having me seth i really appreciate talking with you and it's very fun because i got some knowledge about the abomination so thank you (laughs) Uh, how can people find you online um, you can follow me online at Destiny Dreadful on Twitter, or I am uh, my website is destinydelights.com, where I blog from time to time.
That is Destiny Jackson. That is She-Hulk, attorney at law. It's on Disney+. Plus. We don't need to plug it. They're not paying us anyway. Uh, but hopefully, if you listen to this podcast, you at least saw some of it. Maybe that will make you not listen to the rest of it. Next week, we're switching gears. We're crossing the streams. We're going to talk Black Adam. Uh, Black Adam comes out next week. We'll see it, and we'll do our spoiler review of Black Adam next week on the Hall of Justice. We'll see you then. Believe it or not, I'm walking on it.